Hello listeners and welcome to episode 72 of BoardWars.eu, your regular podcast about Star Wars Imperial Assault, a miniatures game by Fantasy Flight Games. Uh, you might be missing the intro this episode, but this is because I will, I, I'm getting rid of the intro, uh, and we'll be linking the sections in the show notes directly because most of the podcast players out there, at least the ones with the, with a screen, you can, I think you should be able to just click on the, on the, on the timestamp and you should be able to jump right into where it's leading you. So no need for me to, to talk about this at the start of the episode anymore. Okay. But before we go uh, over that, I have a little bit of a cleanup. Uh, and before we introduce our hosts, this is the first episode we record before I release the previous episode. <laughs> so if you <laughs> if you are confused about a few things we talk about, and if it sounds like it's happening a lot in the past, what we talk about, it is because this will be going out next week, and this week will be episode seventy one. So look out for that. I mean, you have already looked out for that, but. That, that's it with tra- time traveling. So, uh, we have only three hosts today. It's, first of all, it's me, Stefan, and we have, uh, Pasi on the line. Hello, from the Hi, zero, zero degree Finland. You already have zero degrees. That's, that's fine. We had snow. We had snow the past week in Vienna, but it's not zero degrees. It's like, like one to two degrees in the night and it snows a bit. And during the day, it's like four to five. So it's, v- I find it very comfortable right now. It's so cool. Okay, uh, but you had snow, right? Uh, we had some, and uh, but not not very much. It's go- gone already, or is it already sticking? Uh, it's, it's still uh, minus one, minus two, zero, so there is still some. Okay, that's nice. Okay, and someone who probably doesn't have any snow is also on the call today. Isaac, hi. <laughs> hello, hello. I, I assume from the land assume, of the umbrellas. Yeah, yeah. I assume there's no snow, right? So, <laughs> no snow. Uh, consistent rain, or rather inconsistent rain. Essentially, it doesn't matter if it's seventeen and sunny outside. You still bring an umbrella because it's the raining. Just cha- yeah, exactly. Because the the weather changes constantly. I mean, literally, I, I can go out on a sunny day and come back in the pouring rain an hour later. You know so, that that's actually that's actually very good when it's um the. The, the height of the summer and it's very hot outside. Yes, it's nice to have yes. a, a, a a quick shower <laughs> to cool everything down. Because I was in in Ireland last summer and it was very very nice there. Because in Vienna, you don't get any rain for like three or four weeks and it's brooding hot and it, you, there's no way to get away from it. So, uh, yeah, yeah. but during winter, I can see how this is a bit boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It also becomes pretty annoying because essentially everyone is carrying around on an, on an umbrella all the time. I mean, even if I just pop to the shops, I usually bring an umbrella, just because you never know when the rain might fall, yeah. and you would ra- and you would rather take a trip with uh, with an umbrella in hand and waste it, than be in the middle of London without an umbrella when it starts to rain. Trust sure. me, that one. Sure. <laughs> okay. So um, we have a little bit of news actually, and since Yeppe isn't here. He, we are still figuring out if he has time again to record consistently, that is. Uh, but in the meantime, he will be showing up here and there, just like Gandalf. But um, until he does, I will do the news at four, whoops, zero 04. And we had two things today. First of all, we had an FFG article, an official article called Focus on the Mission. It's about the prices for the upcoming uh, Imperial Assault Regional Championships. And... Even though I do like Chopper, I'm not too impressed with the with the prices. 
I'm not sure. Uh, Isaac, what, what's your take on, on what's going on here? Um, I feel like the structure of all the prizes is a bit odd. Um, so to anyone who hasn't seen it, but most likely have, um, participation prize is an alt art chopper. Top 16, we have an alt art spot gloss Gideon, which we've been asking for forever. And it's and now, now that he after doubt, yeah, now is, that he's uh, meted out of the rebel, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a bit, it's a bit, bit late, but yeah, exactly. Um, then in top eight, we as always have a set of dice. These are looking pretty nice. Um, they're transparent, just like the um, original regional die, but it's a full set, so two every color. And even though they're transparent, they're a little more vibrant, I would say. A yeah, they look candy-like. a little, little bore. Little, they look like like a candy. I want to yeah, eat them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Especially the yellow top, one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then at uh, top four, we have um, bleed tokens. And these bleed tokens are in the same type of scheme as the old promo edition tokens, um, like the um, Focus from 2015 and stuff like that, instead of these new transparent that they've been doing this year. Um, so, uh, just a, yeah. are, they, are they printed on both sides, or is it just one side? Because I got... No. I, they're um, just on um, one side? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, uh, unless that's, they're changing it, um, but it looks oh, like they're so staying, staying with this... Yeah, it's look, it looks like they're sticking with the structure of all the other um, opaque uh, promo cards, and they are... Sorry, what am I saying? T- tokens, yeah. Uh, tokens, yeah. Uh, and they just have the print on one side, which, to be honest, I don't mind... Um, but I can see how some people might find that annoying. Yeah, I, I mean, they're flipping over constantly. And you, I mean, you have the color, but I want to. I want the icon on both sides. It, it shouldn't be too hard. I mean, if yeah, I'm buying, yeah, exactly. I, I bought. I bought when I when I got the game like a few months in. I bought damage tokens. Um, yes, a, a lot of them because I, I needed them because with just a course it is it's not that much and. I bought one that are just printed on one side, and that's, I mean, I still use them, and I don't want to buy an, another set or so, but it's just a pain in the ass to just grab them, put them out, and then most of, for some reason, most of them end up on the wrong side, so you have to flip them over, all of them, <laughs> so I don't know, I don't like it. Yeah, but okay. yeah exactly. Yeah. So yeah, the old thing with this uh, prize support is that, really, a spot gloss Gideon at regional championships should be top 4, not top 16. And True. these tokens that complete the set that we've, you know, been collecting since, you know, I don't know, 2015, for, uh, 14 even, that's top four? I, I just yeah. don't see how a Everyone spot has one of these. Yeah. I mean, and they're, I mean, they're not spot really are good rarer ones. than dice. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with a lot of uh, American regionals having around 16 players. It's going to be maybe the... a spot loss Gideon as a participation prize, essentially. Maybe they don't want to... Maybe they want more players to get the cool rewards. Maybe that's what's going on. And, and they give mm-hmm. like top four for stuff that everyone has and no one cares about. So at least top eight get all of the good stuff and top 16 get the most of the good stuff. So That's actually a good point. Um, yeah, well, could be why. Still odd though. Still odd. Yeah. What I, what I also don't like is that there doesn't seem to be... I, I talked with, um, with one of the Austrian guys organizing these tournaments in, Aust- in Vienna. And there doesn't seem to be any way to order kits that are smaller for regionals or for even store championships. So what happens on our, our, our end is even the, the store championships kits, they have like top 16 rewards. And you can't, you can't just order a kit that has like half the rewards, like only up to mm. top eight, like all the rewards are halved. 
Yeah. Because we only have six people, so everyone gets everything. <laughs> I oh mean, my God. that's most of the time you have six people. Mm. Like it's very, very rare that there's seven people. And mm. we, it would be more beneficial for, for our group to pay like half or pay like three quarters. I don't know. Play, pay like three quarters for the kit and then have a tournament where not everyone gets everything. Maybe even more people show, will show up and it's not that, um, that, that expensive anymore. And, uh, and now it's like everyone has, has to pay a lot of stuff, a lot of money. And you also get all of the things, but the rewards are just like you buy the stuff you get anyway. It doesn't feel like yeah, correct or so. That sounds pretty odd. You yeah. should get over to the UK, I guess, and regionals here. We, we usually sure, have sure. around 20 yeah. people. Yeah. I don't want to don't hop on a plane just to play Imperial Assault anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Okay, so that's the... Um, the only new news article from Fantasy Flight Games. And we also have another bit of news. Uh, Isaac, do you want to go over what's happening with World's 20 before I launch into my rant? <laughs> yeah, let's do this. Right, so I don't remember when this was, but a couple of weeks ago, I think it was maybe just over a week ago or something, um, someone on the Zion's Finest Slack had just randomly um, gone to the Adepticon website they had searched for Imperial Assault, just out of curiosity, in the um, events page. And they turned up with Imperial Assault World Championships, capped at 80 tickets in March <laughs> at Adepticon. <laughs> needless Sorry, to say, Asian, yeah, needless to say, the entire community freaked out. But because of um, not having any official um, name on it, um, or any official... Any official yeah. announcement at all. There wasn't any word from FFG, right? So Exactly. Um, so everyone was cautious about it. Um, then, uh, when was this? Uh, on the 17th. I just looked it up. Gotcha. <laughs> so like on five, the 17th. Five days ago. Yeah. Uh, FFG. And bear in mind, uh, myself included, <laughs> loads of members of the Discord, at, the Board Wars Discord and the Science Funny Slack. Uh, we'd been tweeting fancy flight games, just trying to okay, what's what the heck is going on? Because uh, basically, tickets were supposed to go on sale last Saturday or Sunday, maybe it was. Uh, I think it was last Sunday at the time of recording. That is, um, and then on the Friday, they came out and tweeted, "Oh hey, so um, yeah, Wells is at Adepticon. Tickets are going live in uh, two days." <laughs> they, they didn't even post an article. Yeah, there's tweet. no article. Yeah. First of all, tweet. so they only tweeted this, so FGOP only tweeted this, Yes. and they tweeted it like a day before the registration for the actual con op opened. Yes. Basically. Which which is, I, I think this is not enough news in advance, or this is not enough no, time in God, advance no. for people to plan their stuff around this, because most of the... I mean, the, especially the now, it's, now it's a venue change and a date change. It's, yes. it's been in May, Fancy Flight Game Center, for the last... How it, Ever many years they've been yeah, having it's this been forever, four years right. something yeah. since they since they changed um, to the TikTok uh, version where they have in summer they have Star Wars and the winter have the the other, the yeah, other games yeah exactly so I, I really can't see how they came to the decision we'll tweet this two days before and the worst part is last year at Worlds we had over one hundred and twenty players yeah we did not sell out seats we had over one hundred and twenty. Yeah. This year, they said that they capped it at 80 tickets, and everyone was like, 80 is disgusting, but it's fine, with, with all of the um, reserved seats that'll push us to a decent number. 
No, then it turned out that um, it was actually just 40 because 80 included all the reserved seats. So 40 of those 80 tickets were put I away. I didn't even reserve. know that. Yep. Oh, so God, we had 40 tickets stupid. up for sale. And the Adepticon site, when the clock struck 7 UK time, I don't know when it launched in the US. Yeah. The Adepticon website crashed. So just when everyone was going to get it, the site crashed. That uh, meant that everyone who then tried to get there was put into a queue. That's and great. then they would eventually get into the site, have 10 minutes to order, and then get and they then and after 10 minutes they would be kicked out to allow someone else getting in. So essentially it was an RNG game. It was who has the best internet connection, who gets ranked higher yeah. on on the queue. And I'm not joking, those 40 tickets were sold out in 25 minutes. And yeah. I mean I know loads of people who wanted to get it but just either didn't know about it because of the because like I said, out through a tweet. There's a one day's notice about this. That's, I mean... To, to be fair, it was two, maybe one and a half, but it's, oh, you know, oh, it's, it's it not was, enough. It might have been 36 hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like... Yeah, it, that's not If good. you can count the it's hours in two digits, then you know something's wrong. Yeah, it's not enough. It's like, so what I also don't think is a good thing, most attendees will need to book... Uh, Travel there. Most of them will be coming by plane. They have to book hotels, like accommodation, hotels, Airbnb, whatnot, and they probably have to take time have to take time off work. Yeah. And so this is in March now. This is five months from now. Oh my god! Yeah. The, yeah, I, I just realized this. So, uh, um, I mean, some sometimes in some uh, work environments, this is not enough time to plan your holiday. I mean, no, it's just no, a weekend, sure. but. But exactly, did, I was really, really you lucky. You probably have to take Monday off too and yeah. Thursday off too, so it's more like a, almost a week, like five days or so. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. so I this they they pushed it they pushed it up and they changed the venue and there's not enough tickets and they didn't announce it enough and, and far enough into the before actually anything sold. So this is just. I mean, this is bad all around. There's no way around this. I, I mean, honestly, this... Uh, and I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant here, and this is, you know, going a little bit far. But I'm going to say that they, this is, you know, Games Workshop tier. But when Games yeah. Workshop was, you know, I think it's just three years ago when they were in their bad years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because, I mean, Games it's Workshop is, now, is great now. Um, that They're a great um, company. But, I mean, a few years ago, they were absolutely terrible. And, I mean, I don't want to say FFG is like Games Workshop was, but, I mean, the lack of communication has been appalling, to yeah. be honest. But also, I mean, did you read the tweet? It says yes. the 2019 World Championships for Star Wars Armada and Star Wars Imperial Assault will be held at Adepticon. There's nothing about uh, Destiny. Nope. Uh, There's Dest nothing about uh, X-Wing and Legion. Exactly. I believe that Legion and Destiny will be at... The game center and X-wing will have its own worlds. As okay. um, I, at least that, I think that's the plan. But I mean, knowing FFG, they're probably going to come yeah. out with a tweet See, two weeks before and say, "Oh, by the way, it's." Uh, I'm not totally against them splitting this up. This is actually this is the only thing I agree with on, on all of this that they need to that they need to fork out their. I know they. I talked about this again. I, I talked about this in the past in another episode where. I realize this is a marketing event. This is primarily for the for the company. It's a marketing event, and you want to concentrate the hype as best as possible. So you want all of your games to happen the to have happening the the championships on the same 
event because everyone will be tweeting and you have the network effect where everyone will be sucked into this vortex about talking about FFG over a whole weekend. And if you, if you split it up, you lose a bit of this network, network effect. I realize this, but from, from an actual tournament perspective and player perspective, this is actually much better because you can attend multiple tournaments without having time conflicts. You can, um, you can actually invest your time as spectator or as follower to follow more, more of the, these tournaments. Because if you are, if, if you are a fan of more of than one of these games and all, everything is happening at the same time, this is terrible. You, there's, there's basically, they don't, the coverage is so bad. You don't have any replays. You don't have any, uh, post hoc, uh, coverage of the, of the stuff outside of fan blogs and fan podcasts and whatnot. So this is really, really bad for them. And um, them splitting I, I'm splitting it up. Sure. It's I'm, I'm going to have to disagree on that point. Um, Worlds last year, I mean, they could change it, but it, it spans seven days for the, what was that, five, yeah. maybe six games? Yeah. Which, which you know, um, there was very little overlap. I mean, Armada I had two days, yeah. X-Wing had three days, uh, Destiny had two days. So I, Yeah, but this, this, is, this, this still means that the finals for, for the games are maybe at times where you don't have time. It's better to have all of the finals always happening like on Saturday or Sunday. But if you have more than one game or if you have many games in, the, in one week or in one half week, this just doesn't work. I mean... It works if you if you if you stagger them, but if you, when you stagger them, people can't really take time off from family from work to follow all of this stuff. If you spread them out over a multitude of weeks, like they're doing now, I have time now, now to to watch the Legion's final. I would never have watched the Legion's finals or even like anything about Legion if everything was happening at one uh, during one week again, because I would have been busy with stuff with Imperial Assault. So so and. This means I will be more invested in Legion in the future. I mean, I won't buy it anyway, but <laughs> I will maybe I will maybe know what's going on, know a little bit better about the differences and whatnot. But so this is I think this is the form from a player and spectator perspective. Uh, them splitting it up certainly a good thing. Everything else, not so. So <laughs> mm, yeah, I mean, two days in advance is. I mean, like I said, yeah. I know so many people who miss their tickets. That shouldn't be happening. Just, be, just because of the queue. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, no, not because of the queue, because of it being capped at 40 tickets. That too. I mean, 40 tickets is... That's not enough. I mean, we had more than that. We had more than that and at Euros. In total players. I mean, and at Euros, you have not, maybe like 10 players who are who are material to go to Worlds and attend there and actually want to attend there and whatnot. So, and maybe even getting reserved seats or so. So I, I can imagine that only 40 tickets for the whole of the US, Canada, and maybe even people coming from international places, that's that, that's half you half of what you need. I mean, that's crazy. Okay. So enough rant about Adapticon, I think. And Worlds 2018. Like we said, like I said, it's in five months, so it's not that far away. And I think Rebels uh um Spectre Cell will still be reigning supreme there, but we'll see. Okay. Uh, that's it for the news. We will hop over to, uh, actual game discussion. Game discussion this episode is mainly about campaign. I think we will be talking about Skirmish. We will be talking about Thrawn specifically. But first, we will be talking about, uh, campaign. And so a little bit of an overview. Tyrants of Lothal is now out for a while, I think. Like, it should, should, should be like six, seven weeks or so. 
So everyone should have reasonably got in the first one or two missions or so, maybe. At least I did, and I think most others did. And if you didn't already know, uh, the small box, of course, has a four, uh, four mission campaign again. But if you own all of the figure packs, you can, you can extend this campaign to a seven mission campaign, which is just one short of the Heart of the Empire campaign length. Within this structure, you basically have your four campaigns from the, from the box. And between each box campaign mission, you have one of the, one of the pack, figure, figure pack campaign, uh, figure pack missions. So <coughs> first you start with, um, Hondos, then it's Sabine and uh, Sabine, Zeps, uh, Ezra or Kanans. And then you have Thrawn's mission before the last mission. And this is actually all of them. All of them have stories specifically for inclusion into the campaign. So the figure packs, if you haven't noticed, come with special cards. Not only the agenda cards or the side mission cards, you need to play them within other uh, campaigns, but also they have special epilogue cards where depending on the outcome of the mission, you read, <coughs> sorry, you read special text. And the beauty is, Below the, on the, on the bottom of the card, you get a reference to the actual, uh, Tyrants of Lothal campaign book, where there's another, another paragraph of, of, of story there, and then directing you to the next actual, uh, Tyrants of Lothal campaign mission, also with another set of story paragraphs to read. So this is all very connected now. It's a little bit like the, um, the best bit campaign, the, the best bin, um, campaign where you could integrate the ISP infiltrator mission into the Bespin campaign and make it like instead of four you have five missions but this is even more so you have seven instead of four missions and I think it's very um, it's a good way to extend a campaign and I wanted this to have happened basically since we have small campaign a uh, small campaign boxes and I can't figure out why they didn't think of this earlier so, uh, these epilogue cards, I think they are very cool. They have special card backs and they're very nice to look at. So, uh, definitely check out your figure, figure boxes, uh, figure packs and check out these, these cards. If you're running a campaign, they're very good to look at. And also story is very nice. With that being said, um, we will be talking about the, the first and second, um, uh, Campaign mission like that, the first campaign mission, the, the first side campaign mission. But first, we will talk about the rebel upgrades and the supply cards that are still in the box. We haven't talked about them yet. So, uh, we will be talking about, we will be starting with the rebel upgrades, tier one. And why don't we have Pazi, who remains very, very silent through all of our rant now, uh, with the first of the tier one, um, cards. Just choose one and uh, go away with it. Combat Vampires. Uh, this is an accessory, uh, plus one health, exhaust this card while attacking to reroll one attack die, showing only a single attack icon. And th th this is 200 credits. This is, I think this is very good. I mean, one health plus a reroll. I mean, realistically, you're not going to reroll. The, the chance you want to reroll if you have two symbols showing on the dice is very, sl very, very, um, very slim. I mean, it can happen with CT and Dress because they are don't have any good way to spend surges. But uh, usually, you want to reroll if you have only one um, one symbol showing, and this gives you the the opportunity to do this, and this is very good. 
And two other credits isn't that much. You can afford it like right off the, out of the box. It's very good. Yeah, and because it's uh, an accessory, you can still uh, right, have right. an armor. Yeah, it's not an armor. It's not an attachment. Doesn't take up any slot. I mean, it takes up one of your free accessory accessory slots. So, I mean, now is the time when you have to think about: Do I really need this? And are there better things to bring along in the mission? Because the free slots, I think they will be. This is the first campaign where I think that they will be getting full on some characters. Before that, I, no one had ever were ever close to to actually getting free accessories accessories sorry i'm <laughs> i'm too tired again um no one had three of these things on these on their characters uh, until now because there wa wasn't a good selection of them there wasn't enough of them but right now with most of them residing in tier one and tier two and most many of them being very cheap i think this is very good and also this is uh, very good uh, especially for the blue and uh, yellow dice weapons and I, yeah. I think uh, most of the have a lot heroes of, yeah. have them as starting weapons. Yeah, because they're like blue and dice. They have um, many faces with just one of the one of the symbols, so there's the chance to make them much more consistent. Yeah, and consistency matters uh, very much at the early stages. Yep. Yep. Especially if you play CT, but that's for my actual mission description. We will see about that. Um, okay, there's another card in tier one. Uh, Isaac, do you want to go over that? I, <clears throat> sorry, um, I do not have it on hand. I just realized I thought I did. Oh, not prepared. <laughs> no. You're not oh like a god. Thanksgiving turkey. <laughs> oh my god, I cannot find it. Um, also, I'm sorry to make editing absolute crap, but uh, did, did you see... I will not count this out. So, while you search for that, I will go over the, the first two one, uh, the second two one card and you will read the first two two card. So, we have a second two one card. We have the Punch Dagger, it's a melee weapon, it's a blade and a fist, a straight, you roll a blue and a yellow die, and you have a double search for plus three damage, so you need to spend two searches for plus three damage. And it also reads, while attacking with this weapon, after any rerolls, you may turn one die, showing only a single attack icon to any other side. It's 400 credits, and has one attachment slot. So... Um, you actually want the yellow to land on one on one uh, side, right? So you can definitely well, you get, can the, get that the from free the damage blue going. as well. The blue has uh, yeah, yeah, two I know, but sides, and if you get one search from the yellow, then you might want to turn the the blue one. Yeah, well, I yeah. But it depends, right? I mean, the the yellow one has the the side with the one damage and the two searches, yeah. which it, in this case is is worth actually four damage. The one side of the die is four damage, which is pretty nice for a pretty early tier one weapon, I'd say. So I I I like this weapon. It's again, it helps you with consistency with attachments that let you reroll or with the combat vambrace. Even better, I think. So get it if you have a melee character. Especially on Tress, I think it's very good because Tress has the problem that she doesn't have any any way to to spend surges outside of getting weapons and attachments that that, um, that enable them enable her to get surges because her starting weapon doesn't have any surge abilities and she doesn't need that much strain at the beginning, so she doesn't have any strain to recover early on, at least not that much. So I'd say this is a good weapon for her. And also, like, Varina can benefit from this, of course, and other melee characters. 
I don't think it is something for, for Garkan because it doesn't fit his style, but yeah, it's a good weapon. Okay, so on to tier 2. Isaac, you, are you prepared now? Yes, I am. <laughs> yeah, so, so just choose one of these two and uh, go, uh, go with it. Beautiful. So the next one we have is E11D, Blaster Rifle, ranged to uh, 700 credits and two possible upgrade attachments. It is plus for accuracy and 8, range attack rolling red-yellow. It's a surge for plus 2 damage and for 2 strain, used during your activation to gain 2 damage power tokens. That's nice. I mean, 700 isn't that... That's competitive for just two attack die, and you don't have any. You don't don't have any reroll on it, so you need an attachment to reroll. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, just like we said last week with uh, Death Troopers and Skirmish, red yeah, yellow yeah. without a reroll is very very squishy. Yeah, it's actually the weapon that um, the Death Troopers wield, but it's curiously it it got downgraded from red blue to red yellow, and I mean the the two strain to gain two damage tokens is okay. But if you if you're running like CT or Tress or something like that, I don't think you want to take this because you you have a limited uh you limit limited slot for for your damage tokens anyway, and you might not be able to use this two strain to gain two damage tokens anyway some of the time. So I'm not too impressed with this, right? The, the, the tokens give you like plus one damage on the attack, so yeah, I don't know. But this is this might be a good path if you if you um. If you if you get some uh, good attachment like disruption cell, yeah, sure, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, disruption cell is very good on this, right? You so. get red red with for accuracy. Yep, yep. And the pierce one isn't disruption cell also uh, pierce one? No, that's plasma cell. Gets, gets oh, it's pierce, plasma cell. Yeah. One. Oh yeah. yeah, both are good. Good, good on this. Uh, but I don't you think it's like for seven uh, seven hundred two dice. It's not something that's gonna last you to the end, and it's still seven hundred it, isn't too cheap. Well, it can. Is it still good enough? It can last till the end, especially in an app campaign. Really? Do you think it's okay until the end? Yeah, okay. I have played uh, several yeah, missions, several yeah. ones with just uh, two dice weapons, because okay. because the combo with uh, some attachments is uh, uh, more consistent than a uh, uh, than a three dice weapon. Sometimes. I mean, the, in the app campaign, it's not it's not that much of a uh, of a stretch to to take it because you can sell it for seven hundred credits anyway. Again, yeah. I don't know if it it should have been it, it might have been the same price there. I haven't seen it in the app campaign until now, so I assume it's the same price there. And you can sell it for the full price, which you can't in the in the regular campaign. So I don't know. For regular campaign, it strikes me as like a mid range weapon, and you might pick it up if you have four players and you need something to. To stick on one character for like a few missions, but until the end game, I I don't know. I don't like it too much. Two dice. I I've been burned too much by two dice against like good defense rolls, like especially the the riot troopers. If you're spending a block token and roll uh, two or three blocks, then two dice is just a pity to <laughs> to roll against that. Even if you have like attachments that might help you. Uh, you can co- also so, compare this. Bit. You can compare this to disruptor pistol, which is a very yeah. very good weapon for for Verona or or June. But but I, this one see, this the, one the, has the, the, this one has the, the uh, advantage of having two modification slots. Uh, disruptor pistol. That's true. Has one. Uh, that's true. But 
Disruptor Pistol is, is, is good for another reason, because uh, both Arena and Chin have skills that specifically specifically re- require to yeah. use a pistol. Yeah, yeah. But uh, and, for some other... This is not... Yeah. I, I was yeah. just mentioning, because uh, yeah, that, yeah. that pistol is uh, pretty optimal for, for Verena, but uh, yeah. this is also 700 credits. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, but I, this this can go uh, from for uh, other heroes and has two slots, so you can have a little bit mm-hmm. of more flexibility with it. Yeah, I mean it's certainly if you're running local or Mac, it's not that bad, right? I, they, they both of them can make use of that because Mac can get focus very easily. Loco has um, has a better way of actually dealing plus damage. If you're using a plus damage token and you're using the and it's the you have the recon token on a target, it's two damage flat out before you even attack. So that starts to 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 pile up, and that's actually a little bit better, I think. But on on like Fen or something like that, I think Fen would benefit better from like the E11, where you have a lot of surge abilities that you can use to to actually mow down enemies. Mm-hmm. And then use a blast or whatnot. So I'm. It's certainly. Let's say. Let's say it's not a generally good weapon, but in certain situations you might want to buy it. So. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's. I think it's passes. No. Okay. No, I think yeah. it's passes turn. Right? So go Manda- ahead with the, tel- the helmet. This is a Mandalorian yeah. helmet. This is also an accessory, but it's helmet. Uh, it gives plus one health. A, it has a search ability. Uh, sorry, uh, strain ability. One strain exhaust this card while attacking or performing an attribute test to reroll one of your dice and limit one helmet per hero. Again, and did you say how much it costs? Uh, it's two hundred fifty, right? Yeah, two fifty. So this, more consistency. I, I like this much more, right? <laughs> I like this much more, right? So because it's so good for consistency. Yeah. <laughs> and it's cheap. Everyone can take it. There's no restriction. Do, do you think, uh, Sapazi, because I'm reading this now, limit one helmet pair, do you think we get heroes that cannot take on any helmets or any any accessories that cannot be equipped to every uh, every hero? Like, should this be, should this actually, do you think from a game design perspective this would be actually a good idea? Or is this bad? Well, I don't know, but the limit is just repeated from the previews. The core box has one helmet already. Fantastic. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I realize that. Yeah, yeah, but it's just a just a, just a general question. If this, if you think that should be included in the game somehow, because to make it more flavorful, let's say you have a, um, you have a an axe or or some some type of type of armor that is very large or bulky, and let's say only Biff, Garkan, and Onar can 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 equip it or something like that. And maybe even one of the heroes that come out with the box that actually includes this card. So I don't. I think that we, I don't think that fits the philosophy of FFP yeah, design I, because I, that. Uh, yeah, I know. That would uh, need customers to have a certain expansion, and all expansions yeah. are yeah. usually just. Yeah, you standalone. have to. You would have to. You would have to include the the capability of actually equipping that on at least one of the corset heroes, right? So and preferably. On the on one of the heroes that comes with the box that has this card, and on other heroes that already really released. So it certainly is not easy to design such car such a card. I'd really like to see this, but probably it's not not gonna happen. Okay, Mandalorian helmet, two hundred fifty credits, tier two, great card. I like it. It's another helmet I wanna I wanna wear. I wanna wear all the helmets. Sadly, I can't. Okay, 
Um, we are in tier three now, and we have another weapon. It's, it's very, very interesting. It's a bow rifle, and we had something like that, I think. Not in the, not as, as weapon to be, uh, uh, to be equipped, but on the, I think it's the, it's Zab on his campaign and on the skirmish card. Yep. He only has one card. He has a bow rifle strike, I think, and it's like the, the free attack with two red die, and it's melee. But this bow rifle in the campaign, it's in tier three, tier three. It costs 750 credits. It's a melee attack with blue, blue, and red. It has a surge for plus one and stun, a plus one damage and stun, of course. It's a staff and a rifle. I forgot this. It has a surge. It has a surge ability for exhaust this card to become focused. That's interesting. And it has a special action. Perform a ranged attack with this weapon. Apply minus one surge to the attack. Uh, so it's three dice. There's blue, blue, red. Only one attachment slot. 750 credits. It's okay, I think. Certainly, it helps with consistency because you can attack ranged. So, what do what Pazzi, what's your feeling about the bow rifle? Is it? It it was a great uh, weapon. I played with stress in the app, and uh, it was very yeah. good on her because she could uh, uh, spend her style tokens to generate searches and so sure, on and yeah. uh, add damage. And uh, I don't remember uh, what the attachment is, but I think there was some attachment there. Perhaps, yeah. perhaps it was making it blue, red, red, or something. Oh, that's that's good, yeah. Or maybe. Do you maybe it... uh, for Tress? She only she only gets uh, her style tokens if she's performing a melee attack, right? For the ranged attack, it wouldn't work. Uh, just a minute. Let's... Oh yeah, I'll look this up too. So Tress, it says after yourself an attack with a melee weapon. So, oh, that's yeah. a, and that's an interesting rules question. So it is a melee weapon, but you can perform a ranged attack. Do you still get the st- yeah. get the style token? Yeah. You get it. Yeah, because it's a melee oh, weapon. Very nice. <laughs> It's a melee weapon, yeah. That, it's that's melee right. weapon so, forming a ranged attack. I love that. It's the same thing as yeah, uh, as uh, um, Diala is uh, performing a uh, ranged attack with her melee weapon. Yeah. So just to remind the listeners on Tress's campaign sheet, she has an ability called Frynox style. After you resolve an attack with a melee weapon, gain one style token. So I think it's. That the naive interpretation, of course, is that you gain it also when you perform the ranged attack with a melee weapon. So that's very nice. So I, I like it. And also, so see, this is a card where the more I think about it, the more opportunities to use come to mind, right? If you use it with Garkan and you charge and you kill your primary target, but you don't have any way to get to any other target, you can now use the bow rifle and make another attack. Because with blue, blue, and red, you have a, a minimum range of, fa- of four, which should bring many, many a, a, a target into view. And if you if you if you have a search um, over from the previous attack, you even can upgrade this with a green eye to a minimum range of five and a pretty strong attack to boot. Right. So I this is very good. I, see, I like this more than the previous weapon we had for some reason. I mean, it's tier three, so it's pretty. Pretty late in the campaign, but still, I exactly. I mean, especially when you compare um, seven hundred for two die, which is red, yellow, no rerolls, for seven hundred and fifty yeah. for three die, blue, blue, red, which is much more consistent. And yeah, you yeah, don't have that, the search for yeah. plus two, but you have the capability to perform a melee attack, 
or a ranged attack with minus one surge. You can easily become focused. You can stun. I mean, stun is one of the most valuable yeah. uh, conditions in the game. Yeah, it's not so valuable in the app, but... Uh... Sure, sure. Also, it, it, I mean, in the campaign stun, sometimes you can use it, but I'd actually, I'm more impressed with the ability to do the ranged attack because that's that keeps your your melee heroes into the action and viable for attacks in situations that previously they didn't have any way to actually use an action to to attack something, and that's very good, I think. Okay, last card we have an armor. Um, whose turn it is? Is it? Is it? Uh, believe it's mine. Oh, it's it's Isaac. Okay, so go Isaac. All right, so we have Plastoid Armor, T3 Armor Light, 350 crits. When you pull the move, recover 2 strain. Exhaust this card when, you, when an attack targeting you is declared to apply plus 1 evade to the defense results. The, the second ability, I mean, I don't play much campaign, but adding an evade on declare, uh, it's it really depends on the dice pool. It feels a little bit weak, but I mean, recovering 2 strain with a move, that's insane. Yeah. I mean it's it's certain it's similar to how owner works where he uh when he rests he recovers two damage even though uh in addition to his normal rest and this is actually even better than that right so because you can recover strain and um and damage if you don't have any strain left so this is very good it doesn't give you any health points so and it's clearly made for for um for heroes that have a a black die, I think, because the plus one evade is better on a black die than on a on a white die. <laughs> in the late campaign, many many enemies have a surge for plus two damage <laughs> or a surge for stun, which really hurts in the late campaign. So this is good on a on a black die because you can reliably deprive your enemy of surges. But of course, it's ex it's exhaust, so you can only use it once. It so this ability is not impressing me that much, but. No, um, and also I think I do believe that the reason for no extra health. I mean, it's a picture of stormtroop armor. Please, are we really expecting yeah, more yeah. help from stormtroop <laughs> armor? Yeah, it's maximum free health. So <laughs> exactly, okay. it limits your health to free. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh my god, that would be amazing. I, I I thought about using this on 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 Tress, but immediately that's a bad idea because in late game I think she doesn't move around using surges. Ah, uh, using move actions. But only using style tokens and exhausting like the the card where you can get twice the effect for for spending one style token. So she she basically gets a move, free move every round, and uh, a few spaces at the start of her activation. So she's the least uh, likely to actually spend spend her spend her actions uh, to actually move. So I'm not sure if that's a good idea, but it's actually very good on on um, CT. Because he's a card where when he's performing a move, he can spend some of his movement points to 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 back actually gift it to another to another player within free spaces. So that would be an incentive for him to use more of his actions for movement, and then of course re recover more strain with this armor. So I like how this this fits into into the trooper trope and not into the the monk trope because monks don't wear armor. Their faith is their armor. So exactly, and I mean, just look, just, just looking at the card in the text, I think that we all know who benefits the most from this. It's obviously Biv. <laughs> yeah, I, you, you joke, but you're right. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Because it, it sounds silly, but it, but it's true. I mean, because he he literally can't move and do anything, but now suddenly 
because he's jumped yeah. up too easily, but now he suddenly has a way to lose his strength. I don't think that this is optimal, especially when you have to wait until um, tier 3 to get it. Um, but the problem is if Biffy has the free XP card trophy armor, which you probably you want to use. So yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm not sure. So it, it's always funny to think. Okay. Yeah, I uh, don't. That's tier three. I don't think. Uh, well, I agree that this isn't very good. I think I had this in an app campaign, and uh, it did very little. Especially the uh, evade doesn't do much in the app campaigns because the Imperials always get. Uh, bonus searches and when they roll they tend to roll a lot of searches <laughs> it is uh, fortunate sometimes for me uh, so i think yeah yeah exactly i think this is better in the regular campaign uh, if you have some uh, running objectives but uh, you may not have the credits when you when you draw this you have uh, something it's just 350 so yeah but yeah you rather, you rather, uh, sell a weapon and get two good weapons than get a good weapon and this. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, sure, yeah. Okay, so that's tier 3. And now we will go over the two new cards for the supply deck and <laughs> I'll I'll leave it to you to tell the listeners what's going on with that because it's a I think this are these are these two are very cool cards. So, uh why don't uh pass it start and Isaac does the signal. Well, uh, there are two Sounds cards. Uh, lock chest is valuable. Uh, it says draw a supply card, keep this for the campaign, and after a mission, if the heroes have missing key, they gain the Hondo's treasure reward card. So this Which is Which no, don't doesn't doesn't sound like anything. Yeah, exactly. It sounds rather odd. But then we compare to the other card, which is called ironically missing key. Draw a supply card, keep this for the campaign. After resolving the effects of locked chest, return that card and this card to the game box. Which is very, very interesting. Do we want to go over Hondo's reward card then as well? I mean the Hondo's treasure treasure card? Yeah, Hondo's treasure. Deplete this card while a rebel figure is defending. Add plus one dodge to the defense results. <laughs> I was wondering where oh that my went. God. You could call it a good luck charm. I'll give you five credits for it. Then, no... You're being unreasonable, Honda Onaga. <laughs> that is insane. Added dodge as a modifier. That's insane. Just once per mission, though. That's true. It's actually once per mission. But, but still, I mean, one, one dodge per mission is literally the difference between a win or a loss. Especially if, you know, a black die figure can suddenly dodge just because the rebels want to. And you know, just the rebels having that card, fair enough, it's going to take a fair amount of rounds for them to get it. But suddenly the Imperial player just has to plan for it, because they can't just alpha strike. They have to go with death by a thousand cuts, so suddenly junk droids become appealing. Because, you know, if you have a heavy hitter like, say, an ATDP, then suddenly it's not going to do that much in comparison to a lot of smaller attacks. The problem is, the more small attacks you do, the higher the chance of a normal dodge gets rolled. Yeah. So this is this the reward card is very very good for the rebels I think. Yeah. Uh, it's just a it's just a matter of how actually to get it in a, in a in a shorter campaign. Exactly. It's probably hard. But if you have I mean, if you have all uh, all the expansions, then the supply deck is pretty. Uh, it's very huge. Yeah. It. Yeah. Indeed. I mean, you have you have a lot of you have a few of the characters have ways to dig through the deck. Where you can more reliably 
look for the for these two cards. Usually that's draw a non-valuable card though, right? And both the locked chest and missing keys are valuable. Like Koton, uh, uh, her ability yeah, says that's true. a non-valuable card to keep. That's true, yeah. Oh, that's bad. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it has to be an actual ah, draw. That's bad. Exactly. We need so a character that, that specifically, specifically fishes out valuable cards. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, can you imagine? Uh, okay, yeah, so this is... I mean, first of all, the effect is great. The, yeah. But the, the main reason why I like this is because it's so, it's so thematic. You wander through the galaxy, you do missions for your rebel friends, and you have your personal stories invested in these missions. And then you, you open up some things, and suddenly you have two things that just fit together, and you get a, an awesome reward for that. And it's very... Especially if you play the Tyrants of Lothal campaign, uh, where Hondo plays a big part at the start of the campaign. And a chest also plays a big part. I really like this. This is, this is probably my most favorite addition to the supply deck yet. So I have to say I agree. I, I've always wanted a card that, you know, um, stays through the entire game, um, and then it suddenly becomes a, a treasure hunt. I, I do find that really cool. The only thing I don't like about it is how it, it it's really really good. Um, and essentially it's based on luck. And anything that's, you know, yeah. super swingy based on luck, I'm not a fan of. But when you put it into perspective, it's campaign, it's fun. So, yeah. I, I mean, I'm glad this isn't, you know, um, in a skirmish. Like, you know, if if you roll um, three, one, uh, three one blocks in a row, then you get to use a dodge once during the game. I'm glad it's not something like that. Um, yeah. But still. I think... Uh... In, All right. With, with Sorry. This, Go ahead, with this, uh, I think uh, the imperial player just needs to tease out using the hunter's treasure. So, exactly. so make yeah. make a sort of uh, large enough attack, but not the best one, just to tease them. <laughs> yeah, hold, you, hold back your yeah. agenda cards so you can add free red die to the attack. To the attack. <laughs> just tease them enough so they use this, and then you can bring in the big guns. That is true. That is true. I mean, oh my god, if this was exhaust, I mean, they'd be <laughs> broken. Yeah, it's amazing. Okay, so uh, that's the... I think that's the rest of the the campaign cards we have in the Tarns of the Fall campaign, so we are done with that. But before we we go over our skirmish discussion for, for this episode, I want to briefly go over the first two missions I played from uh, in the, the Tarns of the Fall campaign. Um, so my group, we started playing two weeks ago, and we played the first two missions, both of which are... The first is actually pretty standard, I'd say. It's very much... There's some... There's some... Something that, that's a bit odd, but, um, you have to score the crate to a drop-off point, and then you have to extract yourself. Um, the thing is that by extracting yourself, you have to hold out until round six, which is unusual for a for such a mission. Usually you just get to the extraction point, do something, and then the mission is over. But with this, you have to actually survive for, for long enough for the shuttle to arrive. And this can be a problem, I, I think. First of all, Hondo spawns, and we all know Hondo in the campaign. He's terribly good. Um, I'll just go over his campaign card. Just bring it up here. Um, so Hondo, 
his cost actually doesn't matter because he appears in the campaign without you ever having to buy him. Same as with Thrawn. Uh, he has a health of 9 and this usually gets boosted in the, in the campaign also. A speed of 5, this is important. A white defense die and an attack with blue, red and green. So this is a range attack to boot. So this is a good attack, but he also has a search for plus one damage, a search for plus two accuracy, and he has uh, the ability to negotiate when you declare an attack. The heroes must choose one, either increase the threat by two or apply plus two damage to the attack results. And he has ulterior motive. When you enter a space containing a crate, increase threat by two, limit once per crate. Both of these are very good. I mean, I, I ran over crates in both missions where Homo shows up. It's great. It's a it's a nice incidental threat boost. But um, the real kicker is that for negotiate, the heroes need to to actually decide what to what's the what's the lesser of two evils here, right? Because his attack really hurts. But adding two might be just too too much. But increasing threat by two means some missions get even even more stressful and even more hectic because somehow with two threat you can spawn loth cats that who are very good by the way in a way good i never expected but uh these two threat you can actually mean the difference between like having a chance at the, the objective objective or not so i really like hondo and him spawning in the <clears throat> in the first campaign mission and actually attacking the heroes is very very bad for them so um i think you're you're if you are on a hero side and if you feel that you are getting on the back foot in the first mission your um your objective should be to rest as often as possible and uh maybe try to block line of sight that can be a thing it, they tried they tried in my mission it just didn't work out it was very close i basically wanted the last activation because i, I activated uh, either hondo or a dubek rider last attacked and dealt four damage which which wounded the the last hero before the the mission was over so it was very very close um but if they if my players would have done a bit more or played a bit more conservative with the rests like rested more often i think they should have been able to win it so so Han is very good very thematic too and uh he appears in both the first times of fall mission and the first side mission because the first side mission in the campaign is actually his agenda mission where uh you're not escorting a crate now you're hunting down a droid he somehow he's in league with the, the the imperials and he has some intel stored in this droid and the droid suddenly bursts to life and wants to flee to the nearest imperial base and you need to shut down the droid and hondo then interferes and whatnot the thing is this mission is a pretty typical side mission you have basically two phases. The first is where you need to uh, defeat a droid once, and then he flees through a door and welds the door and whatnot. And then uh, you need to get through the door, uh, close up with him again, and then finish him off. But the second part is actually with Hondo present, and he tries to secure or tries to help his droid. And the second mission, I think it, it's also, for my taste, it felt very difficult for the, the rebels, so... I'd actually be very curious uh, on, for our listeners if they can write in and tell us how their second mission in the Tyrants of the Fall campaign went. I mean, the, if they played the extended campaign, of course. So I'd be very curious if they also found uh, this mission to be very slanted towards the Empire. I mean, I can't see this mission being won by the Rebels. Even 
even in the Tyrants of the Fall campaign. But in the Tyrants of the Fall campaign, you start with uh, the first mission being threat level 3. And the second mission, so the Hondo's mission, is actually threat level 4. So since it's a side mission, you get double the threat level at the start and can deploy something. That's 8 threat you get to deploy. And don't forget, in most or in, in, in all of the Tyrants of the Fall campaign missions, the players can bring one of the six Spectre allies. This means um, you, you might be able to deploy up to 16 threat at the start, which makes the blocking line of sight to destroy it pretty easy, I'd say. So it might be very hectic for the Rebels to actually progress into the second stage. So I... I, like I said, I'm I'm very curious uh, for if any listener can write in and tell us how their second mission went, if they also think that it's a bit hard for the Rebels. But that's the impression I got. So um, so that's basically the, the, the quick rundown for the first two missions of Tyrants of the Fall. I don't know if you want to uh, add anything, Isaac or Pazi? No. Okay. Wait. You still there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, so... Um, I will be, in the next few um, episodes, I will be updating or I will be talking about the, the future missions in the campaign that we, we that we have played. So you should be able to, to have a complete review like by Christmas or something like that. Hopefully. Okay. Uh, last thing I wanted to talk about is uh, from Tyrants of the Fall, Fron. He's also included and he has a skirmish card. And I want to talk about this right now, but to introduce, uh, why don't we have uh, Pazi read uh, the skirmish card for Thrawn, so we know what it's being talked about. Thrawn, uh, uh, unique and elite, six points. Uh, he has uh, innate abilities plus two accuracy, search, search for plus three accuracy, uh, plus, plus three damage, and search that would, for would be a bit weak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but... It's good to have accuracy. Anyway, uh, double search for plus three damage and uh, search for PS1. And he has uh, long light plans. At the start of your activation, distribute among friendly figures different uh, power tokens equal to the current round number. And strategize at the start of your activation. Look at the top command card of each player's deck. You may discard one of those cards. And uh, he has nine health, four speed, black defense, a range attack of uh, blue green and yellow so there should be okay. a plenty of searches for that uh, double search yeah yeah he has a he has a really decent attack because he's a minimum range of five and getting two 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 searches with these dice it's not that difficult i'd say and the only thing is if you're rolling really really badly you, on, you only do free damage and if you're all rolling against a good black die might might have been I think the worst outcome is that you have like three surges or two surges and the damage, which is basically the same against the black die, three, three, um, blocks and the black die. And you're still doing one damage with this. So your worst roll against, uh, the best, um, the best, uh, black die roll is still one damage through. So this is, which is great. It, it's very, it's very good. I mean, he's not, he's not the one to actually deal too much damage, but if you can somehow get a reroll for him, like with Officer's Training, and if you can give him a Surge Token with his ability or someone else, like the Elite Death Troopers or something like that, then the ability for him to deal 
significant amount of damage is very great. So I don't think he can reliably finish off the 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 four the the, the four cost troopers like jet troopers or or maybe even elite death troopers. But I think um, everything below that, like normal death troopers, of course normal jet troopers, pretty easy, or even normal riot troopers, should be in the realm of possibility for him to to one shot. Especially if you're prepared, like with officers training in hand, and maybe even a surge token on himself, it should be pretty pretty reliable. Of course, not not a hundred percent, but should be good. So he is something to to watch out for, especially in the late game when uh, the imperial player has already lost some figures and he doesn't know where to put his tokens. So he's putting surge tokens on France, so he can do better attacks. So uh, that's all very good. Also, uh, strategize. This is, uh, I mean, Isaac, have you have you played against Fron or with Fron? And what do you think of strategize? Because before before I talk about it, let's have you go on it. Uh, well, I've definitely played both with and against Fron countless times. Um, nearly any tournament you go to nowadays, he'll be an imperialist. Um, <clears throat> uh, the most common imperial archetype at the moment is Vader Palp Thrawn. Which then usually with uh, with a combination of some de jet troopers, sorry, death troopers and officers, takes you to seven activations to out activate Spectre. Which at the at this point of the game is vital. If you yeah, if you don't have seven activations, then you're in trouble if you're against Spectre. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, strategize is really 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 good. Um, I mean, obviously some games are better than others. I mean, sometimes in three rounds he'll discard positioning, officers training, and I don't know, fleet-footed. But some games, he, you know, pulls a crackpot and discards Assassinate on the Lamb. I mean, in one of my games against my opponent, round one, he discarded um, Blaze of Glory, round two on the Lamb, and then round three, I think, Tools or Assassinate. It was insane. Um, and then that compared with his command card, which allows him to discard, or rather, to look at the top two cards of his opponent's deck and then discard one of them and possibly draw cards with that cheap. He yeah, is... just so so listeners can can know what's going on. We, we already talked about the card, but just for a reference, his command card is called 4C. You can only play it with him, of course. It's zero cost. You can include one in your deck, and it says use during your activation to look at the top two command cards of your opponent's deck and discard one of those cards. If it is cost one or less, draw one command card. Very good. In, <laughs> in my opinion, it is probably the best um, character unique command cards in the game, barring... Um, Skull of Skywalker! <laughs> um, yeah, that is true. I, I mean, for, for zero costs, it is it, it is definitely oh, yeah, the best. Yeah, yeah, um, sure. yeah, for zero costs, it's uh, definitely the best. Yeah, uh, possibly, or, or I mean, definitely, barring uh, Rebel Graffiti, but that isn't technically a Sabine card. It's not a... Yeah, it's not a Sabine card. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like... It, 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 literally, it is a Sabine card, but not really. Um, it can be used with other figures, but I mean... You put it in your deck if you have Sabine. Uh, but sure. if, if, apart from Rebel Graffiti, I see Forsey uh, as the best uh, character unique command card in the game. Do you Four think there's any, there's, there, there's any chance you're going to run Thrawn without including Forsey in your command deck? Is there any reason to do this? There, there, there's really no reason to. Um, okay. you should I thought so, so, so. Just yeah, I mean, I mean, I would rather run 14 points and Forsey than 15 points without Forsey. <laughs> I mean, that's true. It's it so strong. It's, yeah, it, yeah, exactly. Because I mean, you're not getting rid of planning. One of, yeah, exactly. Because yeah. you're not getting rid of planning. You're not getting rid of taking initiative. Uh, celebration is really, really good, especially now that we have yeah. Spectre Cell, which you know it's a guaranteed use of the card as long as you draw it. Even even if you if you're not facing Spectre Cell, you're facing Imperial lists yeah. that have 
one or two unique figures. You're facing mercenary lists that have Greedo or um, IG or Shiloh. Shiloh probably not, but maybe Onar. Yeah. So there, there are unique figures that celebrate, including Celebration is basically a no-brainer right now. Basically, yeah. Um, I remember my top 16 match at Euros uh, was lost because my opponent had Celebration. Um, I'd managed to position two. There was no way for him to win, and the game was ending at the end of the round. Then he yeah. whipped out Celebration when he killed 3 Pier, which put him to the win. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, but yeah. Celebration's very good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> since then, I've always run into all my decks, because uh, I can't stand that feeling again. <laughs> um, yep. So, yeah. Uh, Thrawn is amazing. Uh, between uh, Strategize... Uh, long-laid plans. I mean, round one, he's giving himself a search, just because Thrawn with a search, you would be surprised how much Thrawn with those you... three dice only rolls one search. You would be surprised. Yeah, I'm actually... Do you give him a, a search at the start of the first round? Yeah. Um, because don't, the, you wanna, do, don't you want to give it some someone else who's going to the front lines in the first round? Because I don't think you, you're putting Thrawn out first in a, in a way that you probably can attack it. I mean, on most... or Let's say on, on many uh, on many missions right now or many maps right now, there isn't a way to attack reliably uh, at the first round with Thrawn if your opponent doesn't really go face. Yeah, but he keeps um, the that, token. That, that, that's actually not true. Yeah, yeah exactly. For, uh, he, for one, he keeps the token. I know. And I know. most likely he's activating pretty late in the round. Uh, I mean, unless you're planning and foreseeing, in which case you just go immediately. Um, yeah. But, yeah. but I mean, usually it goes pretty late in the round. And one, he saves the search. Two... Um, let's put, um, let's just bring up a map, for example, let's say Tarkin. That middle yeah. hallway, if your opponent is running Spectacell, Chopper will be on that terminal, and Spectacell will most likely be in your face. If they're pretty much anything else that's not Imperial, that's, in say it's Imperial, they'll have an officer there. Um, if it's an officer, maybe you don't need the token, but, you know, with Zillow, things can happen, and red, uh, sorry, uh, blue, green, yellow is squishy. I mean, sometimes he rolls nine damage. Sometimes he rolls four. But I mean, still, yeah, uh, having a yeah. minimum damage of four is amazing. Yeah. Um, uh, so so the, just a little bit into the, the Tarkin initiative um, meta. You're running, you're running front to, the, to, the, to your terminal and opening up the door with maybe an officer or something like that. And then shooting at what's behind the Spectre Cell door? Yeah. Because why, why would they open that? Because it's the quickest path uh, into into your face and against imperialists okay. imp imperialists have no way to obliterate the income uh, of Spectre Cell okay. which is why I run Han Rangers because as long as they as soon as they open the, a door most likely one Spectre Cell member is gonna die as soon as they open the door but against okay. um, say Vader uh, Vader Pub Thrawn then it's at, when they get in he's gonna take a lot of hurt and Thrawn loves yeah. just... He, I mean, even against a good Spectacell attack, if Thrawn just, just does three damage to... I mean, let's say he does three damage to Ezra. That's put Ezra in one-shot range for, um, for Vader. For, for, for Vader, yeah. Which is great. I mean, that, that's invaluable. Um, obviously, it depends. If you're against rangers, you don't rush him into the open. You rarely do rush him into the open. But with some clever positioning between officers and... Thrawn and Death Troopers, you can usually get some pretty safe shots off. Okay, that's nice. Uh, okay, yeah, I need to I need to watch some games on on Tarkin with Thrawn because that's something I haven't figured out right now. Okay, yeah, so I'm still 
yeah, giving him the the search at the start of the first or at his first activation still seems like kind of odd to me because other figures might use it better, but maybe he's saving it and you probably want to activate him early in second rounds anyway, so nothing nothing uh, nothing lost there i think yeah exactly I, I mean if you're not attacking with if you're planning on not attacking with him i mean say it's fluctuations uh, on lothal yeah th- then you're most likely not attacking with him round one yeah then fair enough you could give away some tokens the problem with that is that vader really needs tokens because in most vader lists you're running extra armor if you're not that's fine then just then just give him a token but usually vader starts the game with two block tokens uh yeah. in most lists um but i mean you, you can always everyone can always fancy um, a token, but essentially, if he's because the good thing with long laid plans is that it's start of your activation or start of round. So essentially, you just choose at the start of his activation. Is he gonna attack? If yes, give him a search token. If not, give it give it to someone else. But the thing is, eight times out of ten, so four out of five, um, Thrawn is attacking someone round one. I mean, especially since okay. he can just give himself a search try a range 9 snipe shot. Sometimes he makes it, which, you know, with blue, green, yellow, plus 2 is very doable. Uh, and mm-hmm. then suddenly you got some damage in. And, and if... Yeah, because the risk really isn't that big. Losing a surge token when it could have been a, an evade on Palpatine or a surge on the death troop is, is really not much. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's very nice. I haven't, I haven't thought about it this way, but it makes a lot of sense, yeah. Okay, so anything else about Thrawn? He's, of course, he with... Ah yeah, so the the combo like do you do you think that uh, running Fron with elite elite death troopers or regular death troopers is basically a must because you can chain activate them and just a, just as a quick rules clarifications does uh, strength of numbers with a chain activation uh, into so what's it called um, advanced some concepts. other group some some other group activates like uh, elite death troopers and you activate your uh, your elite death trooper. Can you still activate Thrawn after that for free activations, basically back to back to back? Yep. Um, you, you can. Yeah, you uh, could even yeah. go death trooper into Thrawn, um, then play the card into death trooper, who then activates another figure. So you could uh, swing four. That's true. That's even because as long as the last activation wasn't um, a wasn't the death trooper. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Then you can yeah. do it again. Yeah, that's true. It's very good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, I mean, Thrawn is amazing. Um, it's it, it's hard to um, say if it's a must to have him with Death Troopers. I don't think it's a must, but uh, most of the good lists in the meta does have Thrawn and Death Troopers, just because Thrawn's great, and Death Troopers are probably the best fillers because you need to get seven activations to out activate Spectre Cell. Because if you are giving Spectre Cell the last activation, you're giving you are making a big mistake. <laughs> yeah, um, it's and, very and, hurtful. And, yeah, exactly. And one, Jet Troopers do. Literally nothing against Spectre Cell, and two, yeah, Jet Troopers just you know they one they're getting close, which is terrible, terrible against Spectre Cell. You do not want to get in close, um, yeah. but also two, they're you know they're two figures in one in one unit. I mean, don't get me wrong, I do not think Death Troopers are good, but for the ge- for the state that the game is in, they are a necessary evil if you get what I mean. I think death tro- I think jet troopers are better than death troopers, but in the current meta with Spectre Cell, death troopers just perform better, just for the sole reason that you can include one of them as one activation. It's the only reason. Yeah. Three die tags always. The better activation than two padding is so strong right now. Yeah. That it's it's kind of weird, but because when we started talk- talking about death troopers, 
they seemed really weak and they are still very weak yeah but everyone's still running them because you need these activations and you need in an activation you need still something to do and and a figure with with traits that can do something instead of just having more officers yeah yeah exactly nothing to do instead of like only playing only playing planning and and sitting around terminals right so yeah I like it. I think I think it's good for the game, but yeah, right now yeah, Spectre sure. is just a bit too strong to actually make make something interesting out of this. But the, we will see. Yeah, the thing with Spectre it's not too strong. It's too consistent and too yeah. Basically, yeah. It, it. I don't want to say it plays itself, but it, it basically does. It basically does. <laughs> yeah, I had my fair share against Spectre also. Yeah, same. I know what's going on. <laughs> okay, so anything else about Thrawn you wanted to to add? I mean, if you're running Imperials and you're not running him, rethink your life, because he is amazing. <laughs> you're probably doing something wrong. <laughs> exactly. I, I mean, I've seen some lists with te- uh, Terro thrown. I mean, Terro has come back. I don't th- I don't think he'll make the top tier meta, but for the medium tier meta, I, I see Terro has been a viable option from what I've seen in these last few months of list building. Um, but yeah, I mean, Thrawn is the new staple piece, just like Gideon was a staple piece in Rebels and in, and Mercenaries. Thrawn is the yeah. Imperial staple yeah. piece, so get him he's, now. He's very he's very efficient. Yes. He doesn't cost too much points. No. He can deal damage. He has uh, the only the only thing that's missing for him is another good trait outside of leader. I mean, it, exactly. That's, doesn't that's make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Card, at first, I was like, why isn't he a spy? Because yeah, because canonically he should be a spy. Because if you just yeah. compare literally, then death troopers are assigned to uh, members of imperial intelligence. Th- yep. Thrawn has death troopers, which makes him imperial intelligence. But yeah, he he even is he even is in the uh, yeah in the, in the in rebels in the show. Yeah, exactly. He is more like more like a, a an intelligence officer than like a fleet commander. Exactly. But, um, but then what I realized is all that of his all of his all of his abilities also point in this direction, so it's kind of curious why he doesn't have spy. But I understand it from a from a from a balancing perspective, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Thrawn <laughs> with spy, you, I mean, you might as well say goodbye to command cards. It's like yeah, that's that's true because d- you can shut down so much command cards of your opponent. There's no way of playing anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, having a six cost figure, discard cards from top of deck and opponent's hand. That that's just a little bit too much. With that amazing attack, great amount of health, fair defense die. It's just and and you know with tokens. I mean every round he's having an X amount of damage swing, if not yeah. more. If you compare, if you yeah. think of it as evade or such, which is crazy. So yeah, having him being able to you know strategic shift, <laughs> um or intelligence yeah. link is you know just, no no. That being said. That being said, I would not be against uh, FFG releasing Rook and yes, 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 yes. having Rook with special text on the card that says if uh, Thrawn is uh, in play, Thrawn gains the spy trait. Oh, and both of them having the spy trait. <laughs> in that case, Rook would need to be a decent amount of points. If he's, you know, one or two points, or maybe three. No, 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 yeah, no, 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 no. He, he needs to be four or five. He needs maybe to be six. four or five points. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, sure. I would, I would take this. I mean, Rook costing then um, points and him being melee and maybe being permanently hidden or some some weird stuff. I mean, it's Rook. You can you can do it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and him giving the spy trait to to Thrawn would be a 
it would be very cool to see. It would make list building much more interesting because you have the choice of either taking Rook and spy cards or not taking Rook and developing a list in another direction, right? And, so so and sometimes just taking Rook but no spy cards because just having a spy yes. in your list, the amount of mind yes. games is ridiculous. Because yes, when playing that's... against spies, if you're running hunters and you're against spies, essentially you know, I mean, from what I've learned of playing against spies is that if your opponent has spies, you cannot afford to save command cards. You don't save assassinate for the kill. You, no, you need, yeah, to, you need you, to play it. <laughs> exactly, because you want to get that value out. You would rather they get rid of positioning because you didn't play it than they get rid of assassinate. I mean, that, that's just no-brainer. Yeah, we will see. I, I, I also have... I would very much like to have Braun have Spy. I can see why he doesn't. But maybe in the future, like, with some weird interaction with other cards, you might be able to get Spy, and that's... Possibly. Uh, and yeah, I mean, if you put it this way, between Spectre Cell and Doubt... Yeah, um, sure. <laughs> Reb um, I shouldn't say Rebels. Uh, hunters are suffering a serious nerf. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, having then a free to Spy... To be fair... To be fair, we had hunter lists dominating the meta right for like eighteen months right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. So. Which I definitely do think that there should be some diversity. But I, the reason I disliked the hunter meta when there was only you know I uh, scum weakways, weakway pirates. Um, the reason I disliked that was because of the sudden change. If they gradually changed into a more even playing field, yeah, that's sure. much better. That's yeah. why I really liked. Um, Heart of the Empire so much because what it did is that it balanced the field. It didn't just say, oh, you yeah. know, by the way, all those hunter yeah. cults, they're, they're no longer legal or something like that. Um, yeah. they, they added something that was as good. And then here yeah. they, you know, add Spectre Cell, which is three times as good and consistent, but hey, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I still think that they will be either releasing another wave of uh, figure packs or another errata before Worlds that will do something with Spectre? I, I don't think Spectre I, will get changed, to be honest. I mean, everyone complained you know, about the Hunter Major and they didn't do anything for 18 months. What I th what I want, what I really hope they will do uh, is the Spire on Lothal. Yeah, it's, yeah. And for anyone who doesn't know, there's this... Um, since we... Just a moment. Since we are there, Pazi, is there any update on the Spire? Is there any inside info we can expect? Uh, no, no, not at the moment. Not at the moment. FFG is uh, away for a long holiday, so I haven't, I haven't okay. started the talk yet. Okay. So, just for the listeners to to know what's going on, Parsi has been developing stuff to to make the the spire that Isaac is going to talk in a minute, um, to make the spire less of an issue in the future. And he has been, I say, he's been lobbying FFG for a, for a change on this. Really? And there should be something. Really? Sorry? No, I was just uh, asking about. I, I was supposed to ask about uh, ruling rulings, uh, how it should work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. What happens afterwards is, yeah, is, so, it, uh, is it in my hands? But uh, but yeah, but, but I know. Getting I know. It's, the, it's not... getting the uh, blocking terrain stuff uh, sorted out. That that's my goal. Yeah. Okay, so speaking of blocking terrain, Isaac, do you want to go about what's the spire and how it impacts the the games on lawful wastes? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So basically, uh, on lawful wastes, um, we have this thing called the spire. So you can easily identify it. Just look for um, block terrain, which is an exact plus shape. 
normally block terrain isn't a problem. Um, it's just, you know, something you hide behind. But we've always known that mobile figures can hide on blocked, on blocked terrain, but they can be shot because they're flying above it. Here's the problem. When you put a plus of blocked terrain, that means that that center space is technically surrounded by blocked terrain. Mm-hmm. That means yeah. that the blocked terrain becomes blocked by the terrain, and what I mean by that is that any mobile figure on that center space cannot be shot. It is literally impossible unless you have... I, I honestly don't even know if Tricata can do it, because the reasoning for that is that technically you're not adjacent to them. Um, they're not adjacent to a space if it has two... Adja- if it's, you know, a diagonal line between two yeah. block terrain. Yeah. Even Ahsoka, she can te- she could technically technically force jump, but if she isn't adjacent, then it doesn't work. Because th- one of the even worse things is that it becomes a whole square, a three by three block instead of just a plus with impassable terrain in the corners. And you know, normally, That's even worse. Uh, yeah. When um, when I know when a few other friends and I first saw this, we were discussing it. We thought it was stupid, but we thought, okay, but it's it's a jet trooper. Some games might be swung by a jet trooper, but maybe it's not that bad. And it's like, if you're running Boba, then, you know, it's Boba. Then we suddenly got the the new best mobile figure in the game, sincerely, Sabine Ren. And also the most consistent and defensive list in the game. And the worst thing with Aspire is that it's right in the middle between the two terminals. So essentially... Sabine, round one, just runs down, and with with correct positioning and Hera move, Sabine can double move into the Spire round one on fluctuations. And on Blitz, she can move eight to yes, be adjacent. Almost spawn on the Spire, exactly. right? Exactly. So. And that is so stupid. It's so stupid, because basically you cannot bring your figures down, because she will pop out one-two, shoot, drop a grenade, one-two back. And there's nothing you yep. can do about it. <laughs> and suddenly Spectre Cell, the the list whose one weakness is card draw suddenly has unmitigatable access to your terminal. What the hell? Doesn't sound very good. <laughs> I mean, we have to say, Loaf of Waste is not into the ter- in, the, in the tournament rotation right now, and what might be happening is that it never will be, and they figured out what's going on on this map with Sabine, and they... This was being figured out after they ordered the print for the maps. So we will see. that This is something I thought of last weekend when I looked over all of this stuff. And I was reading up on the Spire and and how, how it actually works. Uh, so we don't know when the next map rotation is coming. It should be at least one. There should be at least one map rotation before Worlds. And I hope it's not like last time where we get it. The week before Worlds. That's good. Do it earlier. Do it earlier. Uh, I, I, um, what's going to happen is that we're going to get two. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah, because um, I think we're going to have two. Usually they have one just before regionals and then one just before worlds. That's usually how they do it. No, don't do it before worlds. <laughs> okay, so uh, yes, we had at least one. We have yeah? yeah, and I think what's the other map that was printed and announced outside of shockingly of enough, it's the mall map. Um, it's the mall map, yeah, yeah right. Which I yeah. think is Coruscant back alleys or something. They they absolutely love yeah, right, right. back alleys. Yeah, that's reason. with the with the with the the shady guys shooting you. Yeah, exactly. That's, with our arguments, yeah. if uh, snipers are good. <laughs> yeah. So I I think it's a real possibility for for them to 
to skip local waste even though it's printed as a as a buyable map wow just because just because the figure that would also that would also um uh clarify why they did the that the map announcement so close to each other and out of order because they announced local wastes then they didn't release local wastes as a tournament map but instead released uh Tarkin initiative and now they announced mall even though we haven't Lawful Waste in the tournament rotation right now. So Lawful Waste has been skipped once already. And I think it will be skipped again. And I, I think if they can, they will skip it altogether. That's that's not... I mean, they will probably... Maybe the, the, the FFGOP and the developers are actually fighting the, the marketing department on this because uh, Lawful Waste is the only map right now that uses tiles from Lo- Tyrants of Lawful and they want to sell the new expansion, of course. It doesn't really matter, right? Because all of the people playing the tournament have the stuff anyway. Yeah. So yeah. Who cares? Who cares? So I don't think it would boost sales if they I don't think it would impact sales if they skip it. No, no, no. And I don't think it would boost sales if they don't skip it. It just would mean that you have a, a map in rotation that feels very weird to play in this meta. So Yeah. The problem is that whatever they do, it's gonna be a lose lose situation because all the members of Slack they're practicing on Lothal as we speak. They're, 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 yeah, they're, I know, they're prepping I know. for the big change. <laughs> I've seen I mean, this. And myself included, I've had a few games on it. So if they suddenly announce, you know, just a few days before the regional starts, okay, guys, by the it's way, small. Yeah, it's small. So, yeah. One, that's, it's going to be outrage and relief because Spectre Cell is not going to have the invulnerable Spire, but suddenly all that practice we've done for the last, say, month will have been ignored. You should prepare better. <laughs> you should play on the mall map too. Exactly, but if we're going there, when we should play in all maps, just in case they decide to bring IG. Sure. Map. Yeah, exactly. Do it. Do it. <laughs> no, I know. I know it's. I know it's hard, and I know it doesn't make any a whole lot of sense. But I, I'd rather them skip the the local map, even though I very much like it. The spy is too much a problem. Yeah. And I'd rather them skip the local map entirely and just go on with mall than just like not having to waste their their practice because re- realistically even if you p- practice on low fall you're still getting in practice in the lo- in the recent meta and it's somewhat translatable to the to the new to the new map where if you don't practice at all it doesn't change anything about it right so um i i would not be terribly disappointed if they skip lawful wastes even though I might even buy the map <laughs> if it's ever if it's ever on sale in Europe, that is. Uh, well, I mean, the uh, thing is, I know a lot of people who've already bought those the maps, and they will be outraged. I mean, I mean, the the, the sure. thing is, people will be relieved because there's, there's there's no spire, but tons of people. I mean, hundreds of people have ordered the map, and then suddenly, okay, here you go. We've delivered the map to you. By the way, you're never going to use it. And I mean, those maps aren't aren't cheap. They're pretty expensive. I know, I know, and. Technically, they never said Lothal will be a, a, a tournament map. Oh, boy. It just happens to be if they go that into all tech, of the released if they, maps... If they use the word technically, we never said, oh, no, no, oh my God. They won't. If they skip it, they'll just skip it without any comment, yeah, right? Yeah. They just say the next the next rotation will be returning in the mall map, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that's what's going to happen, so... We shall see. Okay, game discussion. Anything left to add? Pazi or, or Isaac? FFG, please start communicating with us. <laughs> we are here for realistic expectation, not, not this. So. Okay, um, with that, I think that's uh, episode 
72 in the can. It's very, very short episode right now. Yeah. Or this episode and very brief, but I think we covered a lot of ground and we covered important topics, more importantly. And next time, we probably have Alistair back again and we'll be talking more about the uh, uh, Tyrants of the Fall campaign and we'll also be going a little bit into more detail on Skirmish, especially in the Mercenary faction and how Hounder fits in and how the Maybe even a, bit, a little bit of about the cats, but we will see. So, uh, that's it all. That's it. That, that, that's it. Um, anything left from you, Pazi? Well, the winter is here. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not the that's not the correct quote, right? I think I thought winter is coming. No, but it's here now. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine by me. I, I like it. It's it was too hot anyway in the summer. Um, anything from you, Isaac? Rainy, rainy, rainy days. I hope to see many of you at once. Yeah. <laughs> Which Do you ironically have... wouldn't so, be many so... of you because they sell left tickets in 25 minutes. Thanks, FFG. <laughs> oh my god, I, I'm honestly so salty about this, but I'm not going to bring that up now. Okay. Do you do you know dates for UK regionals? Uh, yes, actually. Um, they have been posted on the Slack. I will actually, um, at the time of recording, so by the time the episode gets released, you'll already see them. I'll put all the UK regional dates um, up in the Discord. But essentially, we have our first one in basically one and a half weeks. Um, cool. Yeah, uh, it's the first time the UK has a regional before the new year, which is pretty exciting. And then we have five um, after the new year. So we've got a lot of them, uh, expecting a good turnout. So is this on the, on, the, on the 1st or 2nd December? 1st of December, yeah. 1st of December, okay. Which ironically so, yeah. is when an agent is coming to my performance classes, but it's the one week of term I can't make, so... <laughs> Whoa! Priorities, Isaac, priorities! <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's it for episode 72. Um, don't forget to uh, check us out on the Discord, so join us at discord.me slash bwu. Uh, mostly for campaign discussion and rules discussion. Everything else, I think, if you want to play skirmish or find a lot of skirmish players you better on the slack uh, and you should listen to science finest do it and with that uh, we will head off into our, our hiatus again but we will surely be producing at least one or maybe even two episodes for before christmas so keep a lookout in your podcast feed we should be there in a few more weeks so with that i wish you farewell may the force be with you and bye 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 see you